Welcome to the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I'm your host, Christy Love. I believe in taking massive action to overcome life's biggest challenges because I know the rewards that lie on the other side. This show is a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation to help you level up in your life. Here's to a new you where your dedication, commitment, and staying true to yourself will make your wildest dreams come alive. I'm a transformational trainer, speaker, firm mama, and proud wife to a distinguished Navy SEAL. We believe in the motto, never give up, never quit, while doing it all with love. I'll share real talks with experts and thought leaders who offer proven strategies to turn your barriers into success in this unfiltered, transformational, and thought-provoking podcast. Let's do this. In this week's episode of the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast, we meet Daniel Gomez. Now, Daniel is a great friend, but he's also an award-winning keynote speaker, business coach, corporate trainer, and executive coach. His passion is to elevate individuals, businesses, and entrepreneurs to achieve their true potential through his training and coaching programs. Now, Daniel was voted one of the top 20 executives for 2020 in San Antonio, Texas. He is also a three-time international best-selling author and podcaster of the year for the Daniel Gomez Inspire Show. And Daniel's high energy, which you're going to listen to today, and his ability to unlock the untapped potential in people's lives has made him a highly sought-out speaker and coach for top organizations, including the United States Air Force. But life wasn't always so grand for Daniel, and he's here to tell us all about it. So let's welcome Daniel Gomez to the Be Seen, Beloved podcast. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Ooh, I'm excited. I'll tell you what, I saved a lot of energy for you and Thank you for having me on your show, and I'm definitely ready to add some value to your audience. So thank you for having me here today. Absolutely. Well, you are an expert at this with your own podcast of the year, so I'm excited about that, and I I love watching your podcast as well. So awesome, awesome. I'm so happy that you're here. But first, I do want to ask you to share your story because you're doing some amazing things in your life, but life wasn't always so grand, right? Where did you come from, and what prompted you to become this Daniel Inspires that we see today? (laughs) Man, I'll tell you, you never know where life's going to take you, Christy. And I can tell you that when I was running multi-million dollar organizations and just really had a hundred employees, little did I know that holding those trainings every single Monday, even though I was the leader of the organization, conducting those meetings, motivating those people, and then going out to these high schools and giving out these awards to athletic departments from Chevrolet. And next thing you know, a principal goes, Hey, you want to say some words? I'm like, what do you mean? I don't have any words to say. And she was like, yeah, just say some words. I'm like, I I really didn't plan. They just told me to come give an award. So I go sit down and then I just really felt the prompting of God say, what do you mean? You don't know what to say. You just talked about attitude at work on Monday. Talk about attitude. And then next thing you know, 20 minutes later, I have 300 kids saying, I love myself. I believe in myself. I am somebody. And that was the beginning of it. And little did I know, three weeks later, I was going to get an email that really kind of scared me. It says, who is this guy that came and spoke to my son? Who is the guy that came and spoke to the kids from the automotive industry? 
my son's yelling around the house. He's running, he's screaming. And I'm like, oh, then she said, tell him, I said, thank you. EJ has never been happier. He looks in the mirror. He tells himself he loves himself. He believes in himself and he wears a Chevrolet cap. And that was a foundation because little did I know that that part of my life, that season when I was doing that, not that I didn't take it seriously, but it was just something that I did to give back because we, we supported the communities there with the Chevrolet award for the schools and everything. And well, when my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer four years ago, it's like God said, I want you to go out and be a speaker, a motivational speaker. And I found that exact same email from that teenager EJ. And when I read it, Christy, I just started crying because everybody thought I was crazy when I said, I want to go be a motivational speaker. Cause how many Hispanic motivational speakers are there that really can make a living out of it? And my wife thought it was crazy. She had just had a double mastectomy. So go figure mm-hmm. what her thinking was. Like my husband, right? I'm, I'm going through my, my death sentence. I'm had a double mastectomy. I'm, I'm have drains coming out of me and he wants to do what? But you know, by the grace of God, she supported me. And I think that's what gave me the courage to really start doing what I'm doing. Awesome. Well, let's go back to the time when you're with those kids. Now, EJ, is that his name? EJ? Was he one EJ. of the students at the at the school? Yeah, he was one of the he was one of the students there at the at the school where I gave that speech at. All right. What's EJ doing now? Have you kept in touch with EJ? You know, I I had that was wow, that was probably about 12, 13 years ago. So he's probably uh-huh. already graduated from school and he's probably already in, in college or doing something else. But it was just, sometimes we don't think, Christy, that, that our words have power, our words have meaning. And not that I wasn't speaking from the heart. I really didn't understand speaking to say as a profession at that moment, but I was just speaking what was in, in me and, and I meant it. Tell yourself you love yourself because it worked for me because there was a point in my life when I didn't love myself because I was that mm. chubby, fat little kid in middle school and I was the outcaster of all the cousins and you know, you have the beautiful female cousin and then the handsome cousin. And I was the youngest. So I was really just, I, I never felt like I fit in. So I could relate with a lot of these kids. And then when I joined band, I remember people made fun of me because I joined band and I was in sixth grade. And it's just these little, these little emotions that we suppress. So we don't think that they make a difference, but later on in life, they catch up with you. So when I was speaking, I was speaking from a place of understanding, compassion, and hey, there's more out there for you because I had seen what God had done in my life and how I had gone from just really not having a bachelor's degree, not really having all this understanding about business, but because I was willing to really just believe in myself and change the way I see myself. It gave me the confidence to become one of the top salesmen in the automotive industry at a Chevy dealership. And then from there, I just took the schooling that they gave me and I didn't look back. I would go to these trainings for management, for leadership, for sales and I was eating it all up. And I said, well, one day, you know, guess what? You're no college degree. You're making more money than other people are making. And it's not about the money, but it's just the fact. And I think it really hit me in 2008 that my value was like, I, I, I came home and I told my wife, you know what happened today? She's like, what? I said, I got people with PhDs, with MBAs asking me for a job. She's like, what? I go, yeah. Because in 2008, what happened? The economy crashed. The right. real estate market, yes. everything went kaput. Mm-hmm. And they were coming to Daniel Gomez and, hey, will you give me an opportunity? And it was just real humbling. And I didn't really understand that at that moment. But I see that when you really put God first in life and in your business, just it flourishes from there. And I truly believe that. And, and because of that, I went on to win amazing, amazing awards with Chevrolet. And we won trips to Vegas, to Hawaii, everywhere. 
but it was really the fact of just really, I changed my self-image. I believed what I said. And going back to what I told those students, every morning I would wake up and I would tell myself, I love myself. I believe in myself. I am somebody. Those were the three affirmations that I've been saying for the last probably 25 years, to be honest with you, Christy. Those are powerful affirmations. I remember being that black sheep of the bunch when I was young, someone that didn't fit in, who was in band, just like you, who was still trying to find myself. It's so important and powerful that you are there for these children to kind of inspire them, because I know I didn't have that when I was growing up. I had to learn all of that as I, you know, as life went on and try to find myself and try to find answers for myself of who I was. And it didn't take to way later in the years that I actually find out who Christy was. And you were able to do that and you're able to instill that into so many young people as well. So that's great to know. Now, I want to go to your to your wife, Mari, right? Yeah, Mari. Yes, Mari, ma'am. Mari. She's a gem. But yeah, she was going through a tough time and you were a high powered executive. Now, I'm sure that this conversation didn't go so smoothly when you came home and you told her, hey, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to go do something else that she probably doesn't even know much about. How did that well, go? It kind of happened to where she, when she made a decision, she had a breast cancer on one breast. She asked me, what do you think we should do? I said, it's not my decision to make. It's your body. I go, I can't tell you what to do. I said, but I guess if you're going to make a, an educated decision or something that really think about is, do you want to be dealing with this 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road again? I said, so if you're going to have a mastectomy, you just need to weigh out the cost so that I have a double one. So she ended up having a double mastectomy. And at that moment, she just got depressed on me. I would get home and, you know, as a woman having a C cup, there's no breast to fill those blouses in. There's, you're used to having some type of cleavage there. So just remember, I'd go home for lunch and she'd just be bummed out. And I just, we went out to dinner one time on a Saturday because she, I got home and she never got dressed up really. And she was just in a great mood. And I was like, all right, let's go. We went to Chili's. And then it was awesome. Well, then my old boss, he saw the post. So then the following day, she just got depressed, right? Because people don't realize that when you go through something so devastating that way, when you have a double mastectomy, it's, it's, a woman loses her womanhood. It's like a man that loses his testicles. You, it, you, it's not something that you get over overnight. So that following day after we went to go have dinner at Chili's, she just was emotional. She was crying, depressed. And I told my boss, hey, I'm not going to make it in tomorrow. And he's like, well, dude, you were just out and about yesterday. I'm like, I go, I'm not, I don't have to explain myself to you. And it just got heated make a long story short. He goes, Hey, we need to be at work Monday at 12. He called me back. I said, I'm not going to make it. I told you, I already told you that. I just said, you know, I guess this is a part where I resign. It's important to put your family first for sure. So it didn't happen right away. I I will tell you that after that happened and I resigned, I was home watching TV and it just, I knew that it was felt funky. And then I just started reading a book. And then when I looked in the mirror after starting to read this book, Christy, I just, I didn't realize how much junk I had inside myself. And that's where the transformation came. That's where I started really assessing who I was and hearing from a higher altitude. And I certainly feel for your for your wife. And my mother went through um, one mastectomy, as you could say. I don't know sure how that works. But yeah, so I lived through that, through life. But it takes a solid man, okay, like my, my dad is and, and was at that time, a solid man to stay by your wife's side during those times. Because like you said, yes, she felt like she was losing a lot of her womanhood. I can only imagine how that feels. 
But I used to watch my mom until she got these big, you know, boobs now. So she's all excited. <laughs> she, got some, <laughs> she got some reconstructed. But I remember that, you know, finding bras that fit and things like that. And she's a strong woman, a strong woman, as, as I'm sure Mari is as well. And she's overcome that. She's combated that. But she has a partner who is by her side every step of the way. And that is so important. And what so many people need is that partnership, not only partnership, but that connection with your partner that is so strong, knowing that they're going to be there through thick and thin and you're there for her. And so that, that just shows what an awesome, awesome man that you are. And it goes back to what you were saying, being younger and, and experiencing those things and feeling like an outsider, feeling like you're, you're not good enough and having a compassion with that does is show us or exemplify, allows us to exemplify the compassion in others because we know what it feels like. I'll be honest with you, starting starting a business, it's fun, right? At the beginning of what your journey, you're excited, you're going to take on the world, you're going to speak to thousands and, and you have this vision and you're doing it. And then all of a sudden it's like imposter syndrome sets in and then you start fighting with yourself. And then for me, I'm just going to be totally real, right? You start breaking glasses and you feel uncomfortable. And I just had just come back from one of my biggest speaking events in California, sharing the stage with Tom Bilyeu. And then I just... A week later, I didn't know what was going on, but I wasn't receiving it. But I'll tell you that my wife, the fact that when people hear my story, it's like I started my business, right? I'm a big believer, like excuses are BS. Like you either do it or you don't do it because I started my business when my wife had a double mastectomy. And I think that that was the biggest blessing that I had, Christy, because I would see her pushing and fighting just to be alive. And they would be like, well, what excuse do I have as a man not to push myself in business? And I would see her just get up, fight. And what I mean by fight, just when she didn't feel like getting out of bed, she would go to bed. And it's the same thing in business. You don't feel like making phone calls all the time or you don't feel like doing that. And you got to, and then not only that, you, you you leave an environment that you're comfortable with. And the next thing you know, you're by yourself because the associations that you had, those people, not that you don't love them or that you don't believe in them, but that's not your future proximity because the people that you need to connect with in the speaking world, in the training world, in the coaching world, in the author world, in the publishing world, you haven't met them yet. You're by yourself for six months to a year. And that was the point where it's like mentally, you really have to have that resilience and be determined and persevere because if it wasn't for seeing my wife not give up, I can't tell you that I would be here today because it she motivated me sometimes. So I think it was just the fact that she had me and I had her and we cried a lot together and I broke some glasses. I don't, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say it because I was frustrated, right? I was frustrated because I was lonely. I had my wife and she wasn't hundred percent. And I remember even one time going out to the garage and I just, the recycle bin was there. We had a little green recycle bin. I kicked it because it was just, you know, you apply to 72 speaking engagements and you don't get one and you're like, okay, God, when, like, when, mm. what, what, do you, what is it that you want from me? But little did I realize that at that moment, he was just preparing me for the next level to handle that next level blessing. And once I got all that junk out of myself, then that's when doors started opening up and the big break came. Like you read in my bio, the United States Air Force called me looking for me to train them. And I'm like, I thought it was a joke. They said, no, we found you. We want to, you want you to come and would you consider it? And of course I use reverse psychology. Well, let me think about it. Right. Cause I didn't want to give in right away. I'm like, but inside I was saying, heck yeah, call me, let me in. And that was the big break that God gave me right off the bat. And by his grace, you know, that just opened up bigger and better doors and the rest, like they say in show business is history, but it really, 
the perseverance came from watching my wife get up and not give up on herself. So that was, that was where a big part of my strength came from. And of course we drew from God, but just seeing that in person every day, that's what, what kept me inspired and motivated. Absolutely. This transformation is a huge personal development training in itself. What was going through your mind when you had to gain enough courage to tell your boss, hey, I'm not coming back tomorrow. You're not going to see me. My family comes first. A lot of people have a problem with that. Most people cannot do that. You know, I, I just I just think it came to the point where it's like you have to follow your morals. You know, my faith had always been in God. And I'll be honest, at that time in my life, I wasn't serving God 100%. I had a foot in, foot out, but I knew he was there. I knew that. I knew that God existed. I knew that he was alive. I should be dead and I'm alive because I tried to commit suicide when I was 18. But I think at that moment when I just said, what good does it do me? Because I wasn't happy. I think I think mm. deep down inside, there was a part of Daniel that wasn't happy. I just didn't realize it. So I think that that moment, the real me, the authentic me, who was speaking from the inside and said, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to put my, my work before my family. I'm not going to do it. I think little by little being in the automotive industry for almost two decades, there was a lot of things that I missed. And I said, I'm not going to not be there for my wife. And I think one thing that I always did, Christy, is I always, the biggest mistake, and I made this mistake when I was younger in the car business, right? We make 5,000, 6,000 a month. And the next thing you know, we're spending six, 7,000 a month. And this was back in 2000. So I think one time my, my general sales manager at the time pulled me aside and says, hey man, you're doing good for yourself. Now I need you to start like thinking about your future and, and saving money. And I didn't take him seriously. Then I went to this conference and there was a gentleman, his name was Mark Stout. He goes, how awesome would it be if, and he was from Tennessee. So he would talk with an accent twang. He goes, how awesome would it be, Daniel, if, if you were to save a thousand dollars a month and at the end of three years, you have $36,000. And I said, well, it, it'd be nice if I could afford to do that. But that my thinking wasn't there. He goes, well, you know, I believe you can do it. I said, why do you say that, Mark? He goes, because many others have done it already. So I went back home and I thought about it. Those words that Mark Stout told me, I, they didn't leave my mind. They didn't leave my heart. I said, well, I can't start off at a thousand, but I could do 500. And from that point forward for decades later, my goal was to save a thousand dollars a month. And when that road came that I had to choose between my wife and work, we had a little nest egg. Our house was paid off, but I always lived below our means. But I, I can tell you, how awesome God is that I never had to touch that money because he says, are you going to trust in me? Or are you going to trust in myself? Yes. And I want to go back to your thinking, your thinking. Now as a business professional, sometimes it gets hard and hard. You said, did you apply to 72 speaking gigs? How are you tracking all of this? First of all, and second of all, what was going through your mind at the time? I can't even imagine. But teach our listeners what to do when times, you know, when they've taken a, a risk on themselves and at that moment, things don't feel like it's going quite right. I would say this. I would say you have to develop a resilient mindset. You have to develop a persistent mindset. And that's a key. And I would, I would encourage anybody that's listening to this episode right now. I'm a big believer of thinking grow rich, but not for the reasons that everybody else does, but you need to read a chapter on persistence. What my, my coach at the time says, before we work together, you need to read this chapter 14 days in a row. It's like 14 days in a row. He goes, yeah. I said, man, I don't like to read. I read it 14 days in a row. I remember getting home one day, 
my wife was going through her journey, of course, and we had just gone out to eat and I had a couple of margaritas and I was, I was a little tipsy and I said, I got to read my book. And the question I want to ask your audience is how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to succeed? And if people underestimate the power of a coach, let me tell you, he held me accountable. I read it that night. And I think that little things like that are what get you to the next level. So, so many people, they try to take shortcuts in life and shortcuts equal short paychecks at the end. Let me say it again. Shortcuts equal short paychecks at the end. And at that moment, I read it, finished it. But I always remember what it talks about. It says, Broadway will give anyone a cup of coffee, but Broadway will not give everyone a stage. Let me say it again. Broadway will give everyone a cup of coffee, but Broadway will not give everyone a stage. Boom, right there, huh? (laughs) How bad do you want that stuff? How bad do you want it? Absolutely. So resilience, resilience and persistence. Now you had a coach at this time, but now you are the coach. And so what what do you teach your clients? What do people come to you for? You know, it's really just believing in who they are. I think so many times, one of the things that I've seen is kind of we're talking about resilience and persistence, but really... I do a lot of executive and business coaching and you'd be surprised how many successful, prominent men and women out there really think in scarcity, they think in lack. And the very things that they were doing to get them to that level of success, that level of prominence, they stopped doing it. It's like a millionaire, right? When he doesn't have a million, he's, he's driving, striving to make that first million. And then he makes that million, million and a half. And then he starts getting scared about losing it. So everything that he was doing to get there, now he's regressing instead of progressing. And it's because they have a scarcity mindset. They have that lack mindset. They have that fixed pie in the sky. And it's no, there's, there's a lot of business out there. There's a lot of opportunity out there. Don't stop doing what you're doing. So it's really showing that business owner that don't stop those little things that got you to where you're at and finding out what is the cause of lack, right? What is the cause of scarcity? And it's a simple thing as, for instance, it could be something as simple as your soap, right? We, we, have, we all have those little soap dispensers at home. Well, if you get those soap dispensers and you turn them upside down and you try to get every single ounce of soap, that's a scarcity mindset. Just, right, you, you use up your soap, you paid for what you paid for, throw it away. Or if you're one of those that get your toothpaste and you try to wring out everything, <laughs> right? We laugh at it, but this is just a sign of scarcity. Like, I've you know seen what? people do that before. Absolutely. I use it. Get it out funny. Of yes. and, and then another thing is, and especially in leadership, when you have a, a business owner that is micromanaging their team, a lot of times they're doing that because they come from a lack mentality. They don't have the, they don't have that abundance mindset. It's like, hey, don't micromanage. You don't have to worry about every single move they make. Trust in your team. So it's really finding out what the block is. When, when I do my, my coaching, I really do. I start off with an assessment. We do a foundation of the entire of what their awareness level is and where they're at at that moment. Because I think the biggest mistake I've seen that people did with me is they wouldn't set the assessment. And the assessment's the foundation of how we're going to approach somebody. Because what Christy needs is different from what Daniel needs. It's different from what a Joe needs. So finding out through the assessment, there's a series of questions that we ask up front. It helps to set the foundation of how are we going to approach what we need to do in your life, in your business. And it just, it makes it easier. But I think one of the things that I see a lot is, is a lot of times we have these different traumas that come up and people ain't aware of it. And like I said, we sweep all this stuff under the rug and really healing the, the terminology is if you want to get technical about it is arrested development. We hear the word trauma, but what is trauma, right? In arrested development where 
you have this incident in your life that happened, you kept going because life goes on in time, but you never dealt with that. And you're still arrested in that arrested development time of your life from when you were a teenager or somebody got raped or if you got divorced or whatever it may have been. It's just, you just never know. There's so many things. And it's a lot of times those, those scenarios where they think that they failed, you feel like you're a failure or if, like for myself, one of the things that I had to get rid of, it's like, right. We, we hear this, right. It's kind of like words or phrases that we hear every day. Okay. Well, right. You don't feel you're good enough, but why do you not feel that you're good enough? And for me, it's because like I said, when I, we first started, I was that chubby little cousin and it's like, I felt that I was like made fun of all the time. So those things, they come up. We have hundreds of thousands of files in our, in our brains. And we don't realize that a song, a location, something's going to trigger that. And many times in business, we get triggered and we don't realize what it is that's coming up. And that's what I deal with a lot of times. And then one of the other big things is just their association with money. But it goes back to scarcity and lack. If you're a business owner and you're starting a business and you don't really believe in investing in your business, it's like I was talking to you before we started recording. We just hired our first actual employee salesperson. Why am I going to be a cheap person and hire an affiliate? Yes, you want to have affiliates. I'm not saying you don't, you don't want referral business. You definitely want referral business. But if you're going to be a legitimate business, you got to have salespeople, a sales team that are going to help you to grow and, and scale your business and, and treat it like a business. Because if you don't treat your business like a business, it's never going to be a business. That is so true. Uh, let me just back up just a little bit and talk about your assessment. Now, a lot of people in coaching, I know I'm a coach as well, don't understand the value of working with a coach. And what a coach does is they assess you to find out what your strengths and weaknesses are. Then they help you and guide you to build up those weaknesses, okay, so that you become a better version of yourself. Right. And I see that that's what you do. And when you work with these businesses or companies, do you work with individuals one-on-one or do you work with them as a group and find out their strengths and witnesses and assess their needs and wants? Or how do you operate? I do both. If it's a business owner, you know, we do one-on-one coaching with the business owner. If it's a bigger organization, sometimes I meet with the VP or CEO, whoever I'm assigned to. And then there's other times where it's like, we'll do a, a group coaching to say, and then after we do a group coaching session where I kind of just ask some questions, we'll break up and I'll say, okay, whoever wants to come back and, and talk more in depth, come on back, the doors open. And you'd be surprised they get triggered or they, they get, I never knew that. I never thought about it that way. I never saw that perspective. And right now I see you, you're wearing a red blouse, but mm-hmm. if I put on these glasses, all of a sudden you look yellow, nothing's changed. It's just that my perspective has shifted because of the glasses, the way I see through the things. Gotcha. And many people, they think their perspective, which is this glasses, mm-hmm. they think this is reality. But the reality is, is when you take off the false perspective, you start seeing things for what they really are. So I really specialize in just really opening people's minds and seeing things from the perspective, from the point of view of Christy, from the point of view of the customer, from the point of view of your employee many business owners, many VPs, and they've never been taught it. So how do you expect them to know something they've never been taught? Because they go to school and all they learn is supply and demand. All they learned is, right, what's my supply chain? And I mean, economics is what they teach you, but they don't teach you, hey, what about the human being at the end of it? Right. Personal development has been a huge part of my life for many, many years, but a lot of people don't get that. And they definitely don't teach you that in school. But I want to go talk about money. And you said you help these professionals also and executives and leaders about money as well. What do they not know about money? 
Well, I think they have the wrong relationship with finances. Mm. Many times, right? Money is not a bad thing of it itself, right? It it always ad- ad- adopts the character of the of the owner, and whoever the owner is, that's what that's what the money becomes. Just think about somebody going on the street and. You see them getting pulled over and it's a drug dealer. And what do we call that right away? Well, it's drug money because it belonged to a drug dealer. Well, why doesn't the money that say a, a charitable cause have, why don't they call it charity money, right? It, it, it takes the identity of that. So this is a good example. We were having a round table. We were talking to the to leadership at an organization. And I was like, well, your sales team did do amazing. So they get a big bonus because if they hit the quota, all this I said, let me ask you this. You're giving out, we'll just say $100,000 as bonuses to your employees, and it's a big team. That's great. I said, how much more productivity and engagement do you think you would get out of your other departments? Because somebody answers the phone, do they not? Yeah, okay, great. Somebody does stuff on the back end for the sales team, do they not? Yeah, yes, I do. Somebody does this after the sale does, right? The fulfillment part of it. Yeah, they do. Okay. So you, you have the sales department, the sales team to say, but then you have, we'll just say three other departments that contribute to the support system of who they are. Why not break that bonus that you're going to give off to the entire sales team and give it to everybody and see what the reaction is. That would be a huge incentive for sure. I've been in those other departments. I know what it feels like when it says, hey, I did all the work on the front end, but the salesperson gets all the bonuses at the end. I remember I worked for GE Oil and Gas and I established a relationship with an international buyer in India. Uh, I mean, I worked above and beyond and brought that company in $250,000 in one quarter. You think I got a penny of that? No, the sales guy did. Yeah. They laid me off. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but you were a big part of that. So I was a huge part of that. So I know what other you know employees feel like when they do so much work and they're undervalued. So when we started implementing that, guess what happened? The I'm sure revenue. the sales went up to the, to the roof. Yes, exactly. So and then and then Daniel and Chrissy kept saying, what can I do for you? All right. You, <laughs> you want to contribute because it's like you're you're engaged now. That's why that's a big reason why over 70 percent of corporate America is disengaged because they don't see the big picture. You got to reward everyone as a team. And many times they don't see that. So when I go in there, I'm kind of like fly on the wall. I just observe and I see what's going on. And then I give them an analysis at the end. And this is kind of what I see. And sometimes, you know, sometimes people ain't ready for it. They get mad. I'm like, you hired me. I go, I'm going to tell you the truth because that's what you hired me for. I'm not going to lie to you. But you do have a lot of those great businesses that say, no, thank you. Like, let's try it. And then the results double revenue grows, profits go, culture changes, culture gets better. And you really have that team environment. And it's, but it's, it's really asking yourself as the leader of that organization, if you have a, you know, if you're a big organization with 50, hundred, 200 people is how can I improve the culture in my organization? How can I do this? I know a lot of people think about this right now. There's still many businesses that work from home. And why is it that they're more profitable right now when they're not, they're not being led to say they're being led through a, through a screen because they don't have that mid-level manager. That's insecure. That keeps asking them questions and gets their kickoff by just trying to be in charge. No, you, a lot of these positions have gone. And I remember the last position my wife had at, at one of her, the banks she worked at, they went through the roof and everybody says, because no one's always on us. Just, we know what we need to do. 
just allow us to do it. And sometimes you get that lower level management that wants to micromanage and they get on that power trip, right? They never pass that first level of leadership. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you are dropping some serious knowledge here today, Mr. Daniel Gomez. <laughs> I know a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure our, our listeners are just eating this up. I hope you all are taking notes like I am. I take extensive notes, especially when I have a professional like Daniel on the show for sure. Daniel, can you share with our listeners, give them three tips, three tips on how they can improve or achieve their true potential, whether it's a company or whether it's an individual or someone just like you and I were. I work for a company, they're not happy and they're looking to try and make a change. Yeah. So first of all, shift your perspective. You're shifting perspectives. Yeah. Always be open to other people's point of views. Just because it's not, and you don't agree with it hundred percent, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. And maybe you're the one that's wrong. So be open to other people's point of view. That's the first thing. The second thing is, invest in yourself. Don't be scared to hire a Daniel Gomez to go in there and help you and coach you and guide you. Don't be scared to hire a coach because we all have blind spots. And what has helped me become one of the top coaches in San Antonio, what has helped me to become one of the highly sought after motivational speakers and win podcasts in years because I hired a series of coaches throughout my career. And I've invested over $100,000 in myself and I've made it back tenfold. So don't be scared to invest in yourself. And then the last one is this, Stay humble, mm. stay humble and ask for help. I think that that's what keeps me grounded. Sometimes when my ego wants to rise up, I'll have a situation like we're going through this week right, where my son and my, my wife were diagnosed with COVID and it, it humbles you because you're put in a position where your title, your prominence, money's not going to help you. It's, it's just you and God and the Holy Spirit by his grace. So stay humble and just know that it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to say yes and always lend a helping hand and reach out. So those are my three tidbits. All right. So I'm just going to repeat those really quick. We're going to shift our perspective. We're going to invest in ourselves. Okay. It's great to hire a coach and invest in ourselves and help us find the areas that we need a little support in to improve ourselves upon. And lastly, stay humble and ask for help if you need it. Right. Yeah. I think so many, so many times we don't ask for help and we struggle and you'd be surprised. People want to help. I mean, a good example is the city you're in, in Houston. I never forget it. In Katrina, I still see those newspaper ads and the pictures of, it didn't matter if you were black, white, Asian, there was Asian people throwing kids in the trash can. And because people were drowning, it's like, everybody wants to help. The thing is we don't ask for that help. So think about that. Imagine that picture in your head right now, when you don't want to ask for help, just imagine back what happened in, in Houston when Katrina was there. There was Asians, Blacks, Whites throwing kids into trash cans, and it didn't matter who they were. Nobody was dying, and they were trying to save lives. And sometimes the life we need to save is our own. Ask for help. Absolutely. I know. I, I love it when people come to me and ask me for help. So I have no problem asking others for help. Because if they have a gift or a skill or talent that can help me in the area, I'm more than willing to just seek out or ask a quick question. And Daniel's always one of the guys that I go to for those questions. And he's always open to answering them and offering his assistance whenever it's needed. So that is absolutely great. And I appreciate you, Daniel, for sure. And I thank you so much. You're a man of God. You're a wonderful husband and you are a super, super successful businessman. And I'm honored that you uh, accepted my invitation to be on the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. No, well, thank you for having me. And just to add some more value, they can go to Amazon and get my book, You Were Born to Fly. They can get a copy there. And it definitely 
a book on self-leadership. And if I want to give a gift out to your audience, they can text the word confident, C-O-N-F-I-D-E-N-T to 26786. That's 26786. Text the word confident and you'll get a free copy of my training, Seven Steps to Fly Daily, where we believe in giving back. So thank you so much for having me, Christy. I'm, I'm excited to be here and it was it was an amazing time. Absolutely. And what is your website address? Where can people find you? Yes, for our coaching, our show to fate coaching, they can go to www.danielgomezglobal.com. That's danielgomezglobal.com for our show to fate coaching, executive and business coaching. And then for to be a motivational speaker or keynote speaker at your event, they can go to danielgomezspeaker.com where I'd love to add value. And if I can add value to the United States Air Force, I can definitely add value to your event. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Be Seen, Beloved podcast. For more inspiring conversations, please share with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or feedback, you can reach me directly at beseenbelovedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.